2: Welcome to the Catherine Sock Show. I'm your social worker with a microphone here on VoiceAmericaVariety.com with my co-host, Lauren Beller. Blake, thanks for joining us all this morning. How are you doing, Lauren?
3: I am so much better, Catherine. I'm back to my old self. All right. So much better than what? I, you know, The past couple weeks, maybe even six weeks, right? I've been coughing. I've been sick. I've been exhausted. So much better.
2: Good. I, I, I'm not, should I ask you what you've done to get better? To, I mean, because I've noticed you have. You've had the cough for at least uh, a month. Three, yeah, a month. Yeah, and I've noticed that. But so you sound better.
3: Oh, I'm so much better. Well, do, you, I, do we really have time? Do you want me to answer that question? Answer yes, it. <laughs> <So>, I, <laughs> I did a lot of research, session. and I, there's, I think, a huge epidemic going on in our country around this whole, you know. I I was out on the in the lake this weekend. Out from Mother's Day, we were hanging out with a bunch of some other people, and we start yakking. The other woman and I, and um, we had the same symptoms. She and I are exactly the same age, forty-three. We're two months apart. She had numbness going on in her fingers, and I had too. I had some weird numb numbness, and um, we started talking about our you know what, what have we been eating? And we both stopped eating red meat a while ago. And I believe I've been doing B twelve B twelve oral. Um, supplements under my tongue. My body wasn't getting any B12. I really think that's what it was. And I think my hormones were off. But I am like, I'm telling you, it was in 48 hours of taking B12 orally, I am a new woman.
2: Well, see, and taking B12, and I'm not saying don't take it, and I'm glad you found out what was wrong, but what about eating a little meat? What's
3: wrong with that? I did eat meat. I had meat two times in the past four days, but I don't believe that my body needed so much of it that I needed to get myself back on track
2: so now you're going to take the b12 because you had all the symptoms of a deficiency vitamin b12 and it is probably true of a lot of people today well about our,
3: you know, remember how long ago was mad cow disease you remember that i do
2: as a matter of fact mad cow disease came from spain i think and i was in spain with my kids eating the beef that had the mad
3: cow oh my so goodness so well, when was speak- that when did you go to spain
2: It was at least 10 years ago. That's what I
3: figured. So I think that our, you know, overall there's a lot of people that, not not when I stopped eating it. I've been eating beef since then. But, you know, I think overall as a society, no wonder it's an epidemic. We've been sort of conditioned and told by our media to um, start cutting back on red meat, eat less of it. You know, and I was looking at the foods that actually have B12 in it. I don't eat a whole lot of it generally. I mean, I eat chicken and fish, but if your body has any absorbency issue, there you could have issues.
2: It's the all or nothing thing, Lauren. It's like we do everything in in not in moderation. You're the one who talks about balance and business. <laughs> so you know what? It's also balance and the food that we eat. I mean, my mother's a great one for that. I hope she's listening because she has always eaten breakfast, lunch, and dinner balance she never eats all of one food or all of something else a little bit of meat but what a little bit of meat means like three ounces of meat when you're eating that's all you need it's true for a meal but do it on it has to
3: be consistent it does it absolutely you're right and Jesus. i can't tell you how much better i feel so i am very excited to be back
2: that's great because you know what there are a lot of people who aren't feeling good and i wanted to talk about this I had this discussion. I was down at my mother's for Mother's Day, and she and I were talking about this. And actually, my three boys were there too. It was a fabulous. It was any mother's dream. Nice. <laughs> uh, all you know, because we were so busy and they're in their twenties, and nobody is able to get together usually at the same weekend. Maybe there's always one missing. This time, we were all there. So nice. Yeah, so we started talking about Elizabeth Edwards' new book, Resilience. Now, I haven't read it. Have you?
3: No, I have not. I actually was wanting to see the interview last night with Larry King, and I didn't get a chance to see it either.
2: Well, what do you think, having not read the book, and apparently according, I didn't see the interview, but I did, did read some transcripts of the interview, she talked about, uh, the affair that her husband had, but that, but 90% of the book is not really about that, it's, uh, I guess, this is what she said in the interview, it's about how you cope and survive with all the tough stuff that one has in, in one's life, and, you know, resilience.
3: Well, I think that someone in her situation, you know, she's got the cancer that's they're supposed, you know, untreatable, whatever. it's in quotes, not my word; they're other people's words. And um, you know, this issue with her husband, and, she, and I think anybody in her shoes would absolutely have the desire and need to write a book for her own therapeutic, you know, for own therapeutic. Um, Good enough, you know, so I All right,
2: that's for her own theory. Is that narcissistic, or what about her children? Do you think writing a book like that is going to be good for her children? Do you think that that – how do you think that's going to affect her children? This is what my mother and I were talking about. She well, about I don't think,
3: I haven't read the book, so I'm not I'm speaking a little – I'm a little bit out of my – I shouldn't be speaking about it, but – um, i don't believe but you 're going to anyway poor, i don't exactly i don 't think the book is a poor me I think it 's actually more about empowerment about how she is handling all the tough stuff she doesn 't ever come across as a victim to me
2: no she doesn't i don't think she's a victim, but what do you think about her talking about in any way because I guess she does in the book both of us have to read the book, but she does discuss the affair do you think that that has a negative effect or will have a negative effect on the kids absolutely not
3: i think that she's more open about it the better i think that if she tries to hide it those kids are going to hear about it in school it's public knowledge i think that it's a healthy thing for her to write about it and i think that her kids need to be able to have a conversation with her parents about it if and when they want to i think yeah,
2: i agree with you because um, uh, this was the discussion that I was having with my mother and, and she sort of felt that perhaps she shouldn't I mean she hadn't read the book either but don't talk about it because it I was hope it's
3: great. not going to be, I hope that we start reading it because it would be worth it for us all to read. It. I know. I mean for, how many women for a woman.
2: Yeah.
3: We're talking about it but we're not giving her credit to read the book.
2: I know. She's the, I mean, I find she, she's a really smart woman. She's an incredible uh, orator. I think she speaks really well. I thought she spoke better than her husband when he was running for office. I think she's that's... very
3: thoughtful in her speech. And when she speaks, it seems like she thinks about her words. So I don't, can't imagine her writing a book that's not thoughtful and good advice overall.
2: Yeah, me too. So oh, both of us have to read the book. But I, I just wanted to get your read on that. I wanted to get your take. And what about... Sarah Fawcett. Oh, I have so been sobbing. I watched the Today Show, so- oh. you know, Ryan O'Neill, talking about her and how strong she's been in the last two years. What do you think about that? Because everybody wants to write their story, and everybody is writing their story and telling their stories, even if they're not that interesting. But <laughs> tell that. I mean, do, is this helpful? Do, I mean, is it something? Do you think you know Elizabeth Edwards writing her story resilience? Sarah uh, Fawcett has filmed her. I don't want her. I I hate her journey, and it's not a good one. Uh, You know her battle with anal cancer, and in the hospital, and all the painful stuff. Is that helpful to people? Does that give them hope or inspiration, or it gives them a reality check that they can deal with what?
3: I think everybody's story has value. You know, every single person on this planet has a story, and someone is important to someone. So. Whether it's Farrah Fawcett or, um, you know, someone that we don't know, it, their story has value to somebody, whether it's their kids or their parents or their best friend, and why not tell their story? I, I'm all about telling stories. That's what my second, that's the book is we're working on. I'm wanting, I'm telling 14 women's stories. Because they're not telling their own stories? Different kinds of
2: stories, or, I mean, different from, is it, Business stories or... Business
3: stories. Business, business stories. stories. Not in this particular book, but I just think that there's no reason not to tell people stories. I mean, that's like, you know, people dying with their music in them. We don't want people to die with their music in them. We want to get their music out before they die. And their story is their music.
2: Here's a story. I interviewed this couple on uh, last week. Out of the Canyon. Out of the Canyon. The true story of love and loss. This is the worst thing that can happen to you. The very worst thing that could happen to a parent ever. And this is the story of this one man who was able to take his journey, as the title of the book says, A True Story of Love and Loss. And I'm just going to read you the intro to this on the back of the uh, flap of the book. And um, it's quite a book. I mean, it's really inspiring, but it's really painful. Out of the Canyon, A True Story of Loss and Love by Art and Allison Daly. Out of the Canyon takes the reader on a roller coaster ride of emotions from the tragic accident that killed Art Daly's young family to the reawakening of love and the healing of two broken lives. Art Daly was just another hockey dad when tragedy fell out of the sky. Listen to this. Mm. One ordinary afternoon while driving home from a youth hockey game, a boulder tumbled from a canyon wall and smashed the Daly family's car on Colorado's Glenwood Canyon. Art was miraculously... Miraculously unharmed, but in that shattering moment, he lost everything. His wife Kathy and two sons mm. Tanner and Shay were killed.
3: I can't even imagine. Oh my God! And that's
2: his story, and it is an amazing story. How this man—he he was a or is an attorney—lives in Aspen, and how he was able to emerge from that and to go on, and is now married again, uh, and has two sons. Um, his, mm. yeah, that's an his, awful
3: story. I can't even imagine.
2: No. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, my goodness. But it's an inspiring story. I
3: exactly. Mean, that, he that, survives he, it.
2: He survives it. He's able to to, to survive, like, the worst-case scenario, the worst thing that could happen. I mean, I, it, people, the things that you don't even want to talk about. And I, I read the book because I was going to interview him, and I, I, I just I couldn't put it down. It was one of those, you sit down and you're... Stay up all night till you finish reading it, sobbing. Uh, having to read his story, and like it's what you say, everybody has a story. And I think the blogging, Lauren, helps too. I was it
3: a big, does. I, I mean, I definitely, I have a um, big fish actually who ended up not able to finish the program. Her husband was dying of cancer, and he ended up dying. Um, a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't. none of us realized that she was blogging every day for two years about her experience with her husband who was dying of cancer and his comeback, and then all of a sudden the cancer came back and he passed away rather quickly. But finally at the end, she shared with the group that she has a blog, and, you know, it was a two-year, I mean, it's a book in and of itself. It's a blog. It's a blog, but it's a book.
2: And sometimes you can just hone in on somebody's blog, and there's just a piece of it that resonates with you, and it's helpful. I do that a lot. You know, I'll, there are different blogs that I'll go to. Uh, I don't read them on a regular basis because not everybody's blogging every day is something that I'm interested in, obviously. And But there are just little pieces that will help me get through my day or if I'm uh, struggling with something or wrestling with something. Really helpful. Anyway, we got one minute left, so I just want to say coming up in this, uh, next, I don't know if it's going to be, uh, right after we come back from the great but break, but very soon, is Pamela Slim, Escape from Cubicle Nation, From Corporate Prisoner to Thriving Entrepreneur. How about that one? That's, can't wait. Yeah, this is a very cool book. She's, uh, she's also a, a life coach as well as an author. I'm Catherine Sox, your social worker with a microphone with Lauren Beller Blake, and you're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com.
4: We'll be back in a minute. News, News. opinion. Can you hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll free. 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty's has just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities.
3: You know he's
0: Dance is life. Life is dance broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America radio network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Can't stop now. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network.
4: What are you going to do when that big emergency strikes? Do you know how to prepare? Do you know when? What if we provided you a source to learn from and plan as you go? Listen for The Road to Ready with your host, Rick Tobin. Rick will offer a weekly source of reliable information and resources. You'll hear about new ideas and innovation in emergency management. Best of all, you'll have the tools to get ready for any emergency in small bites each week. The Road to Ready is heard every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America. Stimulating
1: talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast.
4: All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker
2: with a microphone. What is a social worker with a microphone? (laughs) Who is What does a social worker with a microphone do? (laughs) Lauren Beller-Blake, my co-host, and you're listening to us on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Uh, yeah, somebody said, what is a social worker with a microphone? It's somebody who talks about issues that are related people issues and you always have a social work perspective because that's who I am.
3: And it's also someone that speaks the stuff that you only tell behind closed doors.
2: <laughs> like what? Let's talk about this. Oh, I have to tell you something funny, Laura. Not funny. This is like, this is very cool. This is very upbeat. Uh, I, As I told you, I went to Baltimore to be with my mom on Mother's Day, and my three boys all flew, well, uh, one drove, one took the train, and one flew in, so we had this big family thing. So I was in New York City, and my son who lives in New York City, he and I decided to just take the train to Baltimore. It's much easier because there's no, driving is bumper-to-bumper traffic, and flying is ridiculous, and so we took the Acela. Have you ever taken the Acela? I have not. The Acela is great. We need to tell Barack Obama to we need a, to put Acela's on all of our train tracks because it gets you it's like a high speed train and it's not really that much faster than the regular train, but it usually it cuts off twenty minutes to a half an hour on a um, two hour, two and a half hour, three
3: hour train So how long did it take you to go from Baltimore to New York? Two hours
2: and seventeen minutes on the Acela. Really? Two hours and seventeen minutes it's Penn Station and Penn Station, New York to Penn Station, Baltimore. I have so no easy. idea. I
3: thought that was like, how far of a cut? If you were to drive that, how long would it take?
2: Three hours if you, you know, traffic was good. And then who knows? Because the
3: That's traffic amazing.
2: Is, is terrible. Yeah, so I decided I'm with my youngest son, uh, my baby.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, 20-something.
2: Yes. Uh, and, he, and I said, let's really splurge. Let's have a really good time. So when you take the Acela, taking the Acela is automatically business because it's an upgrade from the regular train. But there's another class you can go, first class. And I had not done that. I had done the regular stella before and the business class. And it's nice, leather seats. And actually they have a somebody who, uh, a, a waiter who waits on you and you can order food. Wow! But it's, I mean, it's Amtrak food, but still. Yeah. Okay. First class. We start to go down the steps to get on the train. They announce the train like two or three people behind us, my son says, look behind you. Guess who's Look who's behind us. And I said, who? Uh, and I look behind us, and it's Natalie Portman.
3: Who's Natalie Portman? I'm sorry.
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> you if you're this way now, if you are this way now, my dear, when your daughter gets to be in... I,
3: I, Come on, tell me. Just quick, get it over. You're going to be terrible.
2: Me? You're not going to know any of this. I am so much better than you. I can't believe It's like <laughs> a movie star, movie star, 29 years old, She's uh, been in. I can't even name all the films.
3: Just one, one that I know.
2: See, I know her name, but I can't remember
3: the name. Oh, so I'm not that much worse. No, okay.
2: You know the film that had the two, the two beautiful uh, sisters of uh, or wives of Henry VIII. One was Natalie Portman, and the other one was.
3: Oh, Star Wars. How about okay, 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 Star Wars. Got it. So she was sitting in the train with you.
2: And the other was the Bolin girl. Do you remember the other Bolin girl?
3: I don't, re- I don't remember. But yeah. it's okay. I know. I know. I g- I get it. You should get it. Keep going. <laughs> I'll give you some more. Goya's ghost.
2: How about that?
3: Are you at your computer, like, Googling right now?
2: I got my board op helping me. He's <laughs> a big fan. I love him. Thanks. Oh, that's
3: a good board You've got to give
2: credit where it's due. Okay. See, I mean, because he's... I'm, He's young. He knows. He knows exactly. No, no, Natalie Portman. All right. Now you should. And he's named, every, we've named every single one of the movies, or not every single one, but all the big ones. All the big anyway. ones. Go ahead.
3: So there she's she is. in the train with you.
2: She's in the train with us. She follows us. She is in the train, dressed in her blue jeans, dressed in her sweater. You know, she's got a great body, et cetera. And she sits like two seats, sort of two seats in front of us. Who is sitting beside, it in front of her? Bon Jovi and his wife. Really? Do you know who Bon Jovi is? Absolutely,
3: Bon Jovi.
2: See, Bon Jovi is one of those guy, one of those people who kind of spans the generation. He does. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So Bon Jovi and his wife. Amy Poehler. Do you know who Amy Poehler is?
3: She's in the train too?
2: Yes. They're all there. We're all in the same car.
3: Oh, my God, that's great.
2: Amy Poehler and, and I forgot his name, who's also on Saturday Night Live, very funny. It's her husband, I think. He does the show with her. Um, you know, she's the one who did, she was nine months pregnant when she was doing that whole thing with Sarah Palin. I uh-huh. remember doing that deer dance or oh, reindeer God. dance or whatever it was. Anyway, they're very funny. And then there was another well-known singer who we couldn't remember his name. But they were all there.
3: All in first class, the first-class
2: oh, car. Yeah, that's the way to travel. Oh, my goodness. How <laughs> fun going, is that? I don't know if they were going for Mother's Day, or there was, must have been something going on in Washington, D.C., probably some kind of an awards thing, because uh, we got off in Baltimore, but they got off in D.C.
3: Interesting.
2: Yeah, it was fun. It was great. And, uh, you know, when they served us lunch. It was. It was uh, – so I think I have to, you know,
3: that's the only way to go. <laughs> I'd say. And is it that expensive? How expensive is it to it's
2: take the very, trip? very expensive. It is way off the chart for a trip. Really? Car. Yes, really. I would be embarrassed to tell you how much it costs.
3: I'm surprised. Well, I'm you surprised, know. Not, not of you. I'm surprised at the cost. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> because you don't, you never tell
2: all. <laughs> because I would do that and you know me. All right,
3: so what? It was
2: fun. It was worth it. It was really a good time. Well, it was well, worth
3: it because you were among the stars for a trip, so that's fun.
2: Let's put it this way I could have flown for the same
3: price. Right. Wow, interesting. Okay. Yeah.
2: But actually, Acela, anyway, the Acela trains, all the Acela trains are more expensive than the regular trains.
3: I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure, because it's a more of an elite car. It's uh, fast. It's yeah. fast.
2: I think they had to put, the, you know, they have tracks. They had to put down special tracks for yep. the Estella stuff, and they're going to try to do that from. Because uh, I'm doing the show from Albany, New York. They're trying to do do it from Albany to New York City, but I, I don't know whether that's ever going to happen. But anyway, so that was the tra- and it was, and it was really fun. Anyway, it was it was well worth it. But I have to say, hey, co- going back, my uh, my son drove back with his brother to New York City, so I took the Estella, but I didn't go first class. you will be proud of me. <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> you only live once. And, it's uh, true. I su- yeah. a fu- That was a fun
3: experience. Yeah. I would have done that.
2: Yeah, it definitely was. Actually, yeah, it was. It really was. So, anyway, that was my... And, of course, I was radio personality Catherine Fox there. I was, too.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say that. that they, they they didn't know who you were, but you knew.
2: And maybe they did. Who knows? I did go into a restaurant once, Lauren, and I told you the story. I don't know if I told you on oh. here or not. Washington, D.C., Went out for dinner with my mother and my son and gave my name. We had um, reservations for dinner, and the guy said to me, oh, you're that radio personality.
3: Really? I love that. yeah
2: That's my D.C. show. I do, too. Do we all kind of, I mean, this whole narcissism thing, let's talk about this, because I am giving the keynote, as you know, keynote speech at the SUNY Albany School of Social Welfare. Uh-huh. And uh, part of my speech is going to be about narcissism, you know, and the kind of its the, the negative stuff in, involved with narcissism. Uh-huh. Know, it's all about me. I mean, you have to, as you say, care for yourself and make sure that you take care of yourself so that you can help other people, but at what point does that become narcissistic and it's not helpful and you're right. not helping yourself or anybody else?
3: It's such a great question. I wish there was like a – to me it's about – other people, like what's the impact on other people? Are you helping, or is it a turn off? And that's, there's a very fine line there, but it's about intention. Is the, is the ego in, in check or not in check, and the ego when the ego's not in check, then my sense is, is our, all of our effort to help is not helping anybody.
2: Do you think I'm narcissistic?
3: No, I think your intention is to help, but I do think that there's, I mean I do think there's a line that we have to cross of is that helpful?
2: See, Barry, my boyfriend Barry, everybody, my partner of 20 years, uh, will say to me, all you care about is yourself. You just keep ta- You talk about yourself all the time. <laughs> but,
3: uh, the, I love that you know, can say that.
2: We went out for dinner last night. We went to see a movie that I was in, actually. Uh, <laughs> the Skeptic. It, Tim Daly and Tom Arnold are the stars in this film. I was in the... I had a brief... Brief role in this thing, not a talking role. It was I was a a ghost of not the a sleepwalking person in a sleep lab. It was that was, but it was still a part anyway. And the it's called the Skeptic, actually, Uh yeah. And so we went to see the the film last night. It was playing here in in uh, Albany at our arts cinema, and it's also playing in New York City. So I don't know how much of a distribution it's going to get, but it's one of those thriller movies kind of things. Uh, And of course, after that, all I wanted to do was talk about film, and my role in the film, so, <laughs> but he doesn't, men don't like to talk that much anyway, I mean, they're, no, they're that's not, true. so I said you're lucky, because you have somebody who just wants to talk to you, and I don't demand too much in terms of a response, that's not really true, <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think, I mean, who does the talking in your relate? Really? I mean, are you the one who talks? I do a um, lot more talking, yeah.
3: I'm very verbal. Sierra and I will get yakking about a conversation and Rob will just be quiet, you know. And Sierra will say, Daddy, what do you think about that? Three. <laughs> <laughs> He's in trouble. Uh, yeah, she <sighs> said as uh, mm-hmm. She said the other night, we're doing Sierra and I do grateful at the end of each night. What are you grateful for? What are you grateful for? We take turns and Rob walked in the room and she said, Daddy, what are you grateful for today? <laughs> oh, God, I love it.
2: You're already training her three years old. It's so great. There's some poor little five-year-old out there, a little boy who's <laughs> in for a big surprise <laughs> with Sierra. That's what I always think. But, yeah, <laughs> anyway, big difference between men and women in talking. So uh, I, it starts from, you're right, when you're three years old, and it, it doesn't stop. But I, I, just, I, I don't care what generation you're in. It's just women just have this need to connect, and it has to do, you have to talk.
3: And that's through, through conversation. Connect through conversation. Men don't have that desire. They want to connect through sex.
2: They do, don't they?
3: Absolutely.
2: (laughs) Why? That's true. That's how men connect through sex.
3: Men connect through sex. What's the board up saying now? I'm only joking. Um, Men connect through sex. Yeah, what do you think? What he's saying now is it's time to get off
2: and go to a break. (laughs) (laughs) Saved by the bell. What do you think? Uh, Women connect through talking. We are orators, and not to say that we can't connect through sex, but...
3: uh, Well, we connect through sex if we've had the talking first. If we've had the talking, sex works, but it doesn't work if we haven't had the conversation before the sex. Yeah, and you have
2: to talk nice. Be nice to us. Exactly. We're going to take a break. I'm Catherine Sox with Lauren Beller-Blake. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com, and coming up is Pamela Slim. She is author of... Escape from Cubicle Nation, from corporate prisoner to thriving entrepreneur. We'll be back in a minute.
4: Inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, .cision us.cision.com. Listen every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network.
5: Is it really true
0: that nearly half of all marriages end in divorce? Get the answers to this and other questions about relationships on Relationship Radio with Jim Duzak. The program's devoted to marriage, divorce, midlife dating, and men-women relationships in general. Jim and his guest experts will have plenty of information, insights, and advice for you, all as part of a lively and wide-ranging discussion about today's relationships. You can listen Friday afternoons at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern for Relationship Radio with Jim Duzak on Voice America.
4: Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmechler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within, your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
1: Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 86-472-5788. That number again is 86-472-5788. We're back. I'm
2: Catherine Zox and I'm your social worker with a microphone with Lauren Deller Blake, my co-host, and you're listening to Voice AmericaVariety.com. And we have with us Pamela Slim. Pamela is uh, the author of Escape from Cubicle Nation, from corporate prisoner to thriving entrepreneur, she's a seasoned coach and writer who helps frustrated employees in corporate jobs break out and start their own business. And you can go to her blog, Escape from Cubicle Nation. It's one of the top career and marketing blog blogs on the web. A former corporate manager and entrepreneur herself for more than a decade. She deeply understands the questions and concerns faced by first-time entrepreneurs. Her expertise in personal and business change was developed through many years consulting inside corporations such as Cisco Systems, Hewlett-Packard, Charles Schwab, and many more. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Pamela
3: it's
5: nice to be here thanks for having me
2: great to have you Uh, well we have another as I we were talking a little bit before we came on the air with uh, Lauren my co-host she's also a business coach your book is uh, is chock full of information uh, obviously about how to escape from cubicle nation but I want to kind of Talk to us a little bit. Give us an overview of the book. But that I, because I'm a social worker, Pamela, I want to get into kind of the, the psychological issues that that keep one from um, or keep one a corporate prisoner, and so that they can't get out and get into being a thriving entrepreneur.
5: That is great. I would love to hit that issue myself. So, okay. so the book basically covers the whole process from the moment that somebody might be sitting in their cube, staring at the wall, saying, "There's more to life than this." and walking through the process of how do you actually figure out what to do and how to choose a specific business idea and identify a market and get through some of the challenging situations as well about how do you talk to your spouse about it if you want to give up your stable corporate job and how do you begin to surround yourself with mentors and fellow entrepreneurs if you've been an employee your entire career. So this is based on experience that I've had working with clients. Uh, I think people who have been in corporate jobs for most of their career have some unique situations where it really is a different world, or at least they perceive entrepreneurship to be a really different world. And so there are many unknowns. And because of those unknowns, that's where a lot of the fears pop up. I try to provide kind of that pragmatic business-focused stuff along with the psychological support.
2: Yeah, I, I think in this climate, in this corporate climate, uh, but also in just the cultural climate in which we find ourselves with these, you know, economic downturn or, you know, crises, that isn't it, aren't there other unique issues that come out? I mean, at, you know, you're going to leave the, a stable job or a job, you have a job, you're lucky to have a job. It would seem to me it would be even more difficult to, to go to your spouse and say, I want to change jobs now.
5: That's right, and I think it all it all depends on what your situation is. I'm always a fan of making sure that there's water in the pool before you jump. <laughs> so you don't want to just, if you're unhappy, you don't just want to give up your job if you don't have a plan about what you're going to do. I think what we've seen, in, in the, especially this last year in the economy, is nothing is sacred and nothing is stable. I, I feel like I've been saying this for the last 10 years, that we're all self-employed. So regardless of whatever our configuration is, if we're employees, we cannot depend on that to be a stable source of employment. We've really been shown that through what's happened in the, in the economy. And so to me what it's really about is realizing that if things are going to be challenging, we know that we can't trust stability. it's a great time to really tap in and think about what do I really want to do and how can I create a plan that will feel comfortable to me based on you know my own financial situation and that of my family and, and and create a plan that works. So I'm not a huge fan of just leaping, um, you know, jump in the net will appear. Sometimes you do, of course, have to trust the process after you've done a lot of testing and trying. But I think beginning to at least identify the kinds of things that you might do, if you're fundamentally not happy in your job, it's a great time to do it.
2: And Pamela, in the book, you're very specific about how to do this. I mean, going through that process and what questions to ask. That's why the book is so good. But you know, we're talking about okay, these emotional issues that keep you from making the leap or making the change. One of the things you actually have this exercise called "Break the Grip of Destructive Thoughts." Mm-hmm. Um, how do you and you go through questions to ask because we all have these. De- destructive thoughts that keep us from making a move, from taking the, uh, it doesn't even have to be a leap, just uh, moving forward or moving ahead, making changes. How do we break the grip of destructive thoughts?
5: Yes, well, these are four questions that come from Byron Katie, who's a wonderful author who's done a lot of work around examining your thoughts, and this is part of my training as a life coach. What I realize is a lot of what creates our unhappiness, our feelings of being uncomfortable is really the thoughts that we're thinking So if, for example, you have the feeling that I must cling desperately to this job. This is the only way I'm ever going to make money, which can tend to make you feel really yucky and for some people imprisoned and and not powerful, you can just begin to walk through and examine the thought. Ask the first question, is it true? Is it true that the only way you could ever make any money is by staying in your current job? When you start to really examine that, you realize that, no, it's probably not the only way And that's when you ask the second question, can you absolutely know that it is true? Beyond a doubt, is that the only way you can make a living? Once you you start to look at the truth of that statement, then you ask, how do you react when you think that thought? So when you're thinking, I have to cling desperately to this job, generally, that's when people start to feel really trapped and low energy and frustrated and scared. And so the last question is, who would you be without that thought? What if you woke up, that thought was not in your head, you didn't have to worry about that. Most people would say I would actually be more open to possibilities. Maybe I'd start looking around. Maybe I would begin to tinker with an idea on the side. And so it's it's building on this idea that's one that I personally believe is that we, we do make up our own reality. It's all about how we really choose to perceive what's going on in our in our environment. And I don't mean by ignoring the fact that we've had we have huge economic um, stresses right now that credit is a lot tighter. That's absolutely part of of reality we know, but there are many people right now who are actively stepping forward, trying new things and testing because what they're telling themselves is, this is a great time to really think about what I want to do. There are going to be wonderful opportunities coming up once we get through this slump, and I'm going to be ready to, to take them. So, Changing the way that you're thinking about something makes you feel differently, feel better, feel more empowered, which then allows you to take action.
2: That it sounds so simple and pure, and it, you know, as you're talking, I'm I'm thinking about those things that those just my own destructive thoughts that keep me from making the kinds of changes that you're talking about. What, do you think, or in your experience, because you've had a lot of experience in in, in working with people and, and coaching, et cetera, and consulting? Are there certain people who get more stuck than others, or are there certain um, positions that people get stuck in, tend to get more stuck in than other positions?
5: I, I don't necessarily think it's about positions, and I think we all are stuck. You're so right. We all have our own stuff, thank goodness, because we're human, so we all want to work on them. What I find is that people who are really strongly influenced by social norms, by doing always what they feel is the right thing, by trying, starting out as a young person to please their parents and then please their teachers and then please their employer, often people who are really shaped by evaluating their own success in life by external factors are those that feel the most choked and strangled.
2: Are we talking about women? I mean, as I'm listening to your description, doesn't that describe women in the in,
5: in the it, corporate it, it certainly can but it's not just women i meet many many men as well that are very strongly influenced by that that try to do the right thing that get the right kind of job with the right kind of company and i think that it's just a situation that once you begin to identify it the first step is is sorting it out and saying is this really how i feel what what do i really want that can be a scary moment right <laughs> and as you're saying it's any life transition whether or not you're thinking about changing employment or Marrying somebody or leaving a marriage, you know, any of those big major life changes brings up those big questions. Who am I really? What do I want? And how can I really know what I want? and begin to really tap in and tune into that that voice inside that i think is always telling you what it is that you want to do and what direction you want to go we just get really good at squashing it down and, and I we think are for good corporate at that are really good at that pamela i've got another one yeah. how
2: do you, this cuz this is another exercise that you have in the book that okay. i think i how to create a vision board. How to create a vision board. Never heard of that. What's a vision board?
5: A vision board is a technique for being able to look at the future and thinking about some of the things that you really want to attract in your life. And so it's just a fun, creative exercise that really taps into your right brain where you can, for example, think about what would my ideal life be like. And you could go to a bookstore with a magazine rack and just kind of have fun grabbing things that just strike your fancy and then just tear out images that purely you were react to that you really enjoy. A lot of times you don't know exactly what it all means, but you can put it together in this vision board with some specific things that you want to attain, and it helps to tap into your creative side and your unconscious side, and it's just a a fun way instead of just being stuck in thinking about and planning from an intellectual perspective.
2: So in other words, it's visuals, and actually today that's what we're used to kind of connecting with is visuals, isn't it? It's things that we see and... So you can have a great big board in your office or in your, wherever in the kitchen and you just keep putting things on this vision board? Is that what you do? That's right.
5: You can put, you can keep putting them there, and what it can do is, if there are things that you really want to attract in your life, it's just the power of focus, where if you're constantly looking at and thinking about what you really want, then it does help to focus your mind, and it helps to remind you of what it is that you want, and it does, I think, inspire action. You need, I think, to have the combination of a really strong vision that can be some big, huge dreams, and then that's followed by very pragmatic action. What are you doing to actually make it come alive
2: or what, and also what are you doing to not make it come alive what's the stuff that gets in the way or prevents you from doing it isn't that part of it
5: that it's definitely part of it that's i think what each individual uh, looks at and analyzes is what are some of the fears that are stopping me what's keeping me from from doing it and a lot of times it's your thoughts just like we talked about earlier
2: now what about this we've only got a uh, probably about a minute left can you come back after the break or do you have to go on to something absolutely. else absolutely Okay, so I can start asking you this question (laughs) rather than saying goodbye. But you talk about in the book, design a life that will make you happy, that will make you happy. Because sometimes people say, well, you can't always be happy. Forget about being happy. You have to be practical. But that's not what you're suggesting.
5: It's definitely not, and and I. Do you want me to start answering it now and then continue and then after I can the catch break? You in yeah, I think the first step is realizing that you can actually create and describe the situations that make you happy. It's a lot about your choice of who do you want to be surrounded with, what do you want to do, what are the kinds of activities that really bring out your natural talents. Uh, I, I think you can be in difficult situations and still find a lot of happiness and joy when you're clear as to what you're doing and why you're doing it okay, and we'll whom you're doing spe- it with.
2: specific after the break. Pamela Slim, Lauren Beller, Blake, and Catherine Zoxman, voiceamericavariety.com. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute.
4: Want to have behind-the-scenes access to some of the greatest minds of today? On Shift in Action, we feature leading-edge innovators who are building a more conscious, sustainable, and healthy culture. Host Stephen Dynan offers live shows with evolutionary leaders such as Deepak Chopra, Dan Jones, and others who are creating new paradigms for conscious living. You can keep your finger on the pulse of the latest frontier work with our weekly transmission of inspired wisdom on Shift in Action. Broadcast live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on Voice America.
1: we back?
3: That was,
2: I guess we are. I'm Catherine Zocchi, social worker with a microphone. We are back. Uh, and I'm talking to Pamela Slim, and she's the author of Escape from Cubicle Nation, From Corporate Prisoner to Thriving Entrepreneur with Lauren Deller-Blake, my co-host. Uh, before we took the break, Pamela, we were obviously we're talking about some of the great stuff that's in the book, but one of the things you emphasize in the book is design a life that will make you happy. And I think we I said sometimes I hear people say, Well, you've just got to do you have to be responsible, you have to feed your family, you have to be practical but not necessarily happy. And that's not what you say in the book.
5: It's not at all what I say in the book or what I believe. I think you you can start with defining life first and then business and career. You can define the kinds of things in your life that you know are going to bring out the best in you. So I think all of us are wired naturally to do certain kinds of work really well. So once you know what that is, you could make sure that you define what would you be doing. Who are the kinds of people that totally energize you that would be great to work with? What would be the ideal kind of life situation if you have a family like I do, little small kids, um, it's important to have time with the family. Maybe you love to travel and you want to put that in the mix. If you're really defining that vision of what it is that you want in your life, then you can take some pragmatic steps to figure out how to make it happen. Otherwise, to me, what I interpret when people are saying you just have to, you know, do what's need, what need need to be done and be responsible, what that means is you are following someone else's lead, which to me is inherently more risky and it just means that it's somebody else's definition of what's going to make you happy. So it doesn't mean that it's not going to be challenging and that it's not going to be difficult and that you might not work a lot in order to make your vision come alive, but I live it in my own life where it absolutely can happen to to structure the kind of life that you want, and I find it with clients as well. Otherwise, where are you going and who's leading you? You're the one that's responsible for your life, and you need to really define it in a way that matches who you are.
2: Oh, so many things you just said in that. First of all, I, and, I don't, and Lauren, I think, probably, you know, jump in here, but we're all unique and we have to put our our vision or we have to disc- in the context of our own unique situations, like you mentioned, you have two small kids. My kids are grown. They're all in their 20s. It makes it very different in terms of, it should make it different in terms of what our vision is and how we want to incorporate travel and friends and the other parts of our lives into, you know, Into the whole. and I don't think people do that. They don't do it in a context, in a cultural context or a family context, and that changes. So that your vision for how you want to work has to change, doesn't it? As as your life changes, as your children grow up, as your uh, you know, as you may move from one city to the next, all of those things come into play.
5: It definitely does come into play. and That's exactly right. As you go through different stages of your life, your plan and your vision for what you want is going to change. And that's the funny thing is that we, tend, we can sometimes be on a path, a career path that worked really great when we were in our 20s. And then by the time you get into your 40s or 50s, then that might really not match at all. Your life is different, your, your situation is different, and you really want different things. So it's always a dynamic process. You always want to be tuning into what makes sense, what's that kind of work I want to do. I find that there's, there's this ongoing theme that's, that's one that really goes throughout your whole life of tuning in and making sure that you're doing as much as possible work that's really energizing. And for a lot of people, that might be identifying a core part of your work, maybe a core theme For me, it was about transformation. I I was uh, laughing as you're talking about the link with social work because my undergraduate degree was in international development. I lived in in Latin America, did a lot of community development work. And to me, that's a root that's similar to the work I'm doing now in cubicles, helping people realize they have it inside of them to make change on their own terms to make a situation better. And so those themes can be different work that really weave throughout your life. But the structure of your life Can change depending upon your needs, and of course, you need to define it. You're the one that needs to set it up and make that happen.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking you have to, you have to be flexible on all of that. Be flexible. Be ready to reevaluate yourself at different points in your life, Uh, and that whole issue of being not being rigid. And and uh, I think that's really important uh, because otherwise you can't do all of this. But you really do have to be flexible and.
5: I think so, and that's more an approach that you can have to life, which you're right, will help you in many, many different ways in your health, in just in general having more that natural curiosity about life. Enjoying new things, getting used to a discomfort, because any time you're doing any kind of a major change you're going to go through that period of awkwardness. So just like working out to get your muscles strong, the same thing can happen if you make yourself really change ready and change savvy. That's going to help you in multiple different ways.
2: Now for you, Pamela, personally, give us a personal story. Like what do you think was one of the most or what was the most difficult change that you've ever had to make in a work situation? Or change well, your vision. In in
5: in a work situation, I've actually it's really funny, I've I've really enjoyed a lot of the different jobs that I've had. My last real job <laughs> was thirteen <laughs> years ago at Barclays Global Investors and I was actually a really happy employee. I love what I did and we had gone through an acquisition and what happened is a lot of my core team left and I thought that I would be there for a long time. I thought that it was the environment that was really right for me. And what I found is when my core team left, my, my direct managers and mentors, that it felt like a really different place. And it was a very awkward feeling. I really wanted it to work. I actually thought at that time that I was meant to be an employee. I had no idea that I was really cut out to be an entrepreneur And so making the choice to leave was definitely a struggle, but I just had this gnawing feeling that there was something more that I really wanted to be doing, and I wasn't quite sure what it was, and so I I chose to make the leap. Now, that was 1996 in the Bay Area, which was a moment of intense growth in Silicon Valley, and so there were a lot of market opportunities, and it worked really, really well uh, for my own my own path even though I didn't have that much of a plan <laughs> so that i think was luck combined with having a skill set that was very marketable at the time
2: now, did you get support from your husband or family or girlfriends or work people or not i mean did or i, I well,
5: did i actually i wasn't married at the time so i it was it was just myself i didn't have any kids or anything my friends were very supportive and and i've always surrounded myself with people that did like change and were risk takers I didn't necessarily have a very strong circle yet of people who were self-employed, and so that was something that I really consciously developed as I got in on my own is making sure that I connected with people that had been consulting for a long time, and that was really, really critical to uh, to my own success, I think. I devoted a whole chapter to, to recruiting your tribe and really creating people around you that are, that are going to be supportive because for a lot of people, they don't have that. They they just try to do it alone, and that's a recipe for disaster I think
2: it's almost impossible to do it alone I mean I don't think you can do it alone do you I think I I don't
5: think you can at all I mean it's just so miserable and you you, there's no reason you have to learn all the hard lessons if there's somebody who's done it before and done it well why not learn from their experience you know that you're going to have your own challenges regardless but that's always my first my first um, instinct right now if I'm faced with a challenge I think who knows it who's lived it before and how can I connect with them and learn quickly
2: Great advice, we'll leave it on that one and say goodbye and also direct listeners to your website, which is www.escapefromcubicalnation.com. Pamela Slim, Escape from Cubicle Nation, From Corporate Prisoner to Thriving Entrepreneur, great talking to you this morning.
5: Great talking with you, thanks for having me.
2: Thanks, Pamela. Lauren? I'm, yeah, I think she's great. and
3: She is great. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't want to
3: interrupt because she just was saying all the perfect things and she's so eloquent in how she speaks.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the book is great. It really is. And I always like these books that tell you exactly what to do. I like that, too. Like, <laughs> kind concise of and you. to the point. Yeah, but her, and her exercise. Well, okay, you said that I should have known what a vision board is.
3: Well, we're going to have to work on that with you.
2: Should I have really known that?
3: Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I love going and cutting stuff out and have a whole board that's dedicated to what I want to do. This just kind of fits into my narcissism, I think. It
3: does. It goes right along with it. It's all about you.
2: Well, we're going to have to say goodbye, and I'm glad you're feeling better. I liked your bit of advice, and anybody out there who may be not feeling so good, you know, vitamin B12, that's what it is, right?
3: Check out the book, Could It Be B12?
2: Could It Be B12? It could be. Have a great week.
3: You too. It was a pleasure. And Have a good been, day.
2: You've been listening to Catherine Fox with Lauren Beller Blake, voiceamericavariety.com. Have a great week, and, and we'll
3: we'll see you next week.